Good morning and welcome to Simply Sports. It's Wednesday, February 21st. On today's show, ESPN's Mike Greenberg predicts Jordan Love will be the next quarterback to win his first Super Bowl, and Yamamoto and Glasnow are a safe bet to start in Seoul. Plus, Creighton upsets UConn for their first win against AP number one. This coverage and more, up next. I'm David, and you're listening to Simply Sports. We start off with a look at the world of sports, where first-time Super Bowl-winning quarterbacks are a rare breed these days. However, ESPN's Mike Greenberg believes that Green Bay Packers' Jordan Love could be the next in line. Here to discuss this further is Michael, a correspondent for Simply Sports. What makes Greenberg so confident in Love's chances? Well, David, Greenberg is a firm believer in Jordan Love. He recently ranked Love as his top pick among quarterbacks who could break through and win a Super Bowl for the first time. Love had an impressive run with the Packers this past season, even defeating the eventual Super Bowl-winning Kansas City Chiefs. Greenberg believes that Love and the Packers are on the rise. When was the last time a quarterback won their first Super Bowl? The last first-time Super Bowl-winning quarterback was Matthew Stafford, who led the Los Angeles Rams to victory during the 2021 season. Since then, the Chiefs' MVP quarterback Patrick Mahomes has been dominating the Super Bowl scene, winning his second and third titles in 2022 and 2023. How does Jordan Love compare to his predecessors in terms of team success? Love has shown that he has what it takes to join the ranks of his predecessors and raise the Lombardi Trophy one day. He took over for four-time MVP Aaron Rodgers, and despite a rocky start, he put up historic numbers over the final two months of the season and into the playoffs. Interestingly, unlike Brett Favre and Rodgers, Love guided the Packers to the playoffs in his first year as a starter. What are the expectations for Love in his second year as a starter? Greenberg cited the second years of Favre and Rodgers as starters when they took the next step. He believes Love is on a similar trajectory. He also pointed out that the Packers are the youngest good football team in the NFL, which means they are only going to get better. Who else did Greenberg consider as potential first-time Super Bowl winners? Greenberg also considered Brock Purdy of the San Francisco 49ers, Joe Burrow of the Cincinnati Bengals, Lamar Jackson of the Baltimore Ravens, and Justin Herbert of the Los Angeles Chargers. However, he believes Love has a better chance than Burrow, Jackson, and Herbert because they play in the same conference as Mahomes. What do Greenberg's colleagues think about his prediction? Interestingly, all of Greenberg's colleagues chose Bengals quarterback Joe Burrow as the next quarterback to win his first Super Bowl. Marcus Spears even suggested Jared Goff of the Detroit Lions as a contender. However, Greenberg remains firm in his belief that Love and the Packers are on an upward trajectory. It will certainly be interesting to see how this prediction pans out. Thanks for that, Michael. Speaking of interesting developments in sports, let's turn our attention to baseball. Shohei Otani, the Los Angeles Dodgers star, is set to start as the designated hitter in the team's season opener in South Korea. The Dodgers' two other major additions, Yoshinobu Yamamoto and Tyler Glasnow, are also on track to start the two-game Seoul series against the San Diego Padres. Here to discuss this further is Bella, a correspondent for Simply Sports. 
Can you tell us more about the Dodgers' plans for the season opener? Certainly, David. Dodgers manager Dave Roberts has indicated that both Yamamoto and Glasnow are likely to start the Seoul series, although he did caution that plans could change. The Dodgers have been preparing for the earlier start to their season, and most of their pitchers are ahead of where they typically might be at this time of year. Both Glasnow and Yamamoto have already faced hitters in live batting practice sessions. The Dodgers have made some significant additions to their roster in the offseason. Can you tell us more about that? Absolutely. The Dodgers acquired Glasnow from the Tampa Bay Rays, and he agreed to a five-year, $136.6 million extension before even joining the team. They also added Yamamoto on a 12-year, $325 million deal. When you factor in Otani's 10-year, $700 million contract, the Dodgers' off-season spending comes to roughly $1.2 billion. That's quite the investment. Now, Otani and Yamamoto are both from Japan but have a significant following in South Korea. What impact could this have on the Seoul series? It could be huge. Otani is currently the biggest baseball star in the world, and Yamamoto has won three consecutive MVP awards in Japan. Having both of them on the field on the same day would certainly captivate an entire nation. However, Roberts has said that while that's their hope, they won't be beholden to it if it doesn't make sense. Thanks for that report, Bella. It will indeed be interesting to see how that situation develops. Now, let's shift gears to a historic game for Creighton. The number 15 Blue Jays managed to break their losing streak against number one ranked teams, defeating the Huskies 85 to 66. This victory marks a significant moment for Creighton, which had previously lost all six of its meetings with top-ranked teams. Here to discuss this further is James, a correspondent for Simply Sports. Can you tell us more about this game and its significance for Creighton? Absolutely, David. This was a monumental win for Creighton. They had never come closer than 10 points in their previous encounters with number one ranked teams. But this time, they built a double-digit lead in the first half and managed to maintain it, despite UConn's attempts to close the gap. Creighton coach Greg McDermott described it as a historic game for their program. What was the turning point in the game that allowed Creighton to secure this victory? Creighton led by 23 points with 10 minutes left in the game. UConn managed to cut the lead to 10, but Creighton held the defending national champions scoreless on five straight possessions allowing them to rebuild their lead. This was a crucial moment in the game that ultimately led to Creighton's victory. And how did Creighton's players perform in this game? Stephen Ashworth was a standout, scoring 16 of his 20 points in the first half. Trey Alexander and Ryan Kochbrenner also contributed significantly, finishing with 16 and 15 points respectively. The team as a whole had an impressive shooting night, making 14 of 28 three-pointers. What about UConn? How did they fare in this game? UConn had a tough night. Their 14-game win streak, which had been the longest active streak in Division I, came to an end. UConn coach Dan Hurley admitted that they ran into a buzzsaw. Tristan Newton was a bright spot for the Huskies, scoring 17 of his 27 points in the second half. What does this victory mean for Creighton moving forward? This victory is a huge confidence booster for Creighton. It shows that they can compete with and beat top-ranked teams. It also marks the 600th career win for coach Greg McDermott, a significant milestone. 
This win could be a turning point for the team as they look to build on this success in their upcoming games. Thanks for those insights, James. Now, let's switch gears to the inaugural CONCACAF Women's Gold Cup Tournament, where the United States secured a 5-0 victory over the Dominican Republic. Olivia Moultrie, an 18-year-old making her first national team start, scored twice. Here with us to discuss this further is Abby, a correspondent for Simply Sports. Can you tell us more about Moultrie's performance? Absolutely, David. Moultrie, who plays for the Portland Thorns in the National Women's Soccer League, scored her first goal in the seventh minute and added another in the 59th minute. This makes her the third youngest player to score multiple goals in a game for the United States. She was clearly thrilled with her performance, expressing her excitement about having the opportunity to start. Who else stood out in this match? Lynn Williams added a goal in the 30th minute and Jenna Nyswanger scored her first goal for the U.S. on a penalty in the 86th minute. Alex Morgan, a late addition to the team, came in as a second-half substitute and converted a penalty kick in stoppage time, marking her 122nd international goal. What about the coaching situation for the U.S. team? This was the sixth victory for the United States under interim coach Twila Kilgore, who took over when coach Vlatko Andonovsky left the team after a disappointing finish at the Women's World Cup last summer. Kilgore will coach the United States until May, when Emma Hayes, currently coach of Chelsea, takes over. Midge Purse praised Kilgore for ensuring everyone was on the same page. What's next for the U.S. team in this tournament? The United States will face Argentina on Friday night in Carson. The tournament features three groups of four teams, with matches taking place in Carson, San Diego, and Houston. That's certainly something to look forward to. Thanks, Abby. And on that note, we wrap up our stories for today. Thanks for listening to Simply Sports. We'll see you back here tomorrow. <laughs>